And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it's Thursday, second best day of the week. And, well, we're getting ready to wrap up the month of April already. So, you know, May will be here and uh, school's out. Kids are home. You know, summer. All that fun stuff that parents look forward to every year. You'll be <laughs> you know, spending more time at the studio, won't you? Exactly. You know, it's so funny. It's like, you know, everybody's like, summer's here. It's like, great. Kids are home. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I love my kids. They're awesome. They're a lot of trouble, but they're awesome. <laughs> you're paying for your raising. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's so funny. It really is because, you know, when you're growing up, your parents always tell you that when you grow up and you have kids of your own, you'll understand, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. you have your mini me. Yeah, that's it's Pay a very true statement. Paybacks. Yeah, exactly. You know, kids grow up, they become terrorists, and then, you know, they leave for college. So, so we'll see. Anyway, uh, lots of stuff to get into this morning. We've been talking about for the past couple of days, and it's really been a kind of a, a bit of a tough week so far. Um, you know, nice rally on Monday, gave it up on Tuesday, tried to rally yesterday, gave it all up. Uh, sitting right there on those March low supports. And this morning, futures are pointing higher. We're going to try another rally today. Dow's looking to open up about 300 points uh, this morning. The NASDAQ up, you know, about uh, almost 2% this morning as well. Uh, this is really coming on the back of Facebook's earnings yesterday. Meta, we should use their proper name now, Meta, uh, since they're changing their company. So uh, Facebook, though, reported earnings yesterday. Revenue actually guidance actually points to a revenue contraction uh, going forward. And, and that's not really great, but uh, the stock is rallying very sharply this morning. It's going to be up about 16, 17% this morning at the open uh, because daily average users, uh, which is kind of this nebulous track that we uh, have, have been using. And it's interesting, we call them daily average users now. Uh, back in 1999, when we were promoting all the dot-com sites, it was eyeballs per page, right? Same thing, right? How many people are looking at your page every day? And that's really kind of a fudgy number, right? So it's like, oh yeah, we had all these people log on. That's how many people use it. Okay. Does that include bots? <laughs> that includes the bots. Yes, exactly. So they had an increase uh, of, of daily average bots. And uh, anyway, the stock's going to rally nicely. But look, this, this was not surprising. I mean, Met, uh, Facebook is down... Uh, as of yesterday, was down almost 50% from its 52-week high. So this stock has had a huge beating here over the course of the last, you know, several months, really kind of beginning back in September of last year. So just since September, it's lost 50% of its value. And, um, you know, and when you talk about a company the size of Facebook, the revenue generation, we've talked about this uh, stock on the show before. It's actually kind of a value stock now. It's, it's hard to say that for a company I hate so much, but you know, it's, you know, on a, on a valuation basis, it's actually pretty cheap. And, and the stock had gotten so beaten up that it just needed any piece of good news at all. And again, really, the earnings report was not that outstanding. It was not an outstanding earnings report. The reason that the stock's getting such a big rally this morning is 
that it was a little bit of good news that really suggests that the, the beating that the stock has had over the course of the last really six, nine months is probably overdone. Uh, so this morning, the stock's going to rally about right back to the 200-day moving average. So again, we're going to see you know, how this, if this rally is sticky or not. But the good news is that that is certainly going to give a lift to the NASDAQ. Again, we, we talked about previously the concentration of the top 10 stocks that make up the S&P index and the NASDAQ. Facebook is one of those companies, and it's such a large market capitalization-weighted company that it will now lift the entire index. So this morning's rally of 16% or so on Facebook will lift the entire market out of the gate. And so again, we're gonna come bouncing off these lows um, that we've been kind of building uh, for the S&P 500 over the course of the last, you know, really couple of months. And if we take a look at, uh, you know, kind of where we've been, and this has been a bit of a challenge here for a lot of investors, that you know, every time you kind of get a, a little bit of a rally going in the market, we keep giving it back up. And so you know, here we are retesting these lows that go back to March and April. Actually, the last time we were at these lows previously was back in September. So you know, over this nine-month period, the market's gone nowhere. It's been very frustrating for investors. And, and really below the surface, as we've talked about before, there's a lot more damage going on. You know, the market's down about 12% for the year. That seems bad. And we had talked about this back in, in, in 2021 when we had a, a year where virtually you had no corrections of any, of any sort. You know, the biggest drawdown we had in 2021 was about 5%. And we said back then that when we eventually get a 10% correction, it was going to feel a whole lot worse than it actually was. And so we've had a 10% correction and people are like, it's the end of the world, right? It's, it, the world's over and it, we're going into a major bear market and the world's ending and I need to be in gold and bullets and beanie weenies. And that's not really what's been going on. We've had a very big rotation in equities over the course of the last several months and market money's been moving from tech to growth back to tech it's been all over the place but the market's really gone not much of anywhere here and again that 10 percent correction feels a lot worse than it actually is and of course if you take a look at a lot of the media headlines it's just been as as dour as they can get so uh, uh, so as we kind of look at this it's important to keep you know, the construct of what's happening in the markets. Now, could the markets get into a deeper correction? Absolutely. There's certainly nothing that pro prohibits the markets from declining more from here. But they're, they're again, as, as we look at markets technically and where we are now, markets are very oversold here. We've been sitting on, on a big set of support. Going to have a nice rally off that, off that low today. The important thing will be here is that the markets can actually hold on to that rally. That's the one thing we haven't been able to do is hold a rally. So we should get a rally here back to the 50-day moving average. That would be a good spot to reduce risk in portfolios, rebalance equity uh, allocations. Uh, if, you, if you are concerned about the markets going lower, that would be a good opportunity to, do, to reduce risk in your portfolio. But again, be a little bit cautious here because we've been working through a big gyration. And this is something we talked about in this past weekend's newsletter. If you take a look at the number of companies that are, are fairly large, 7 billion and up, there is a lot of companies that are down 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent 
from their peaks. And these are all the names that you know, the Carvanas, the Shopify's, all these stocks, the, the, especially the ARC type companies, the ARC Innovation, Kathy Wood type companies, they are down tremendously from their 52 week highs. The, the whole retail Wall Street bets, you know, uh, you know uh, challenge that we talked about last year, the, the YOLO group, um, they've learned very hard lessons about speculating in markets. And, and this is what always happens ultimately, you know, when you start doing things and chasing stocks that you shouldn't chase. And of course, that gives, that gives le uh, a leeway to Wall Street to start introducing things that we normally wouldn't see like these SPACs, these special purpose acquisition companies that were supposed to go buy other, you know, you give them money, they're gonna go buy other companies with your money and find something to put into the company. Those have turned out to be terrible investments. Not surprising, right? Not surprising because when there's that much money chasing so few assets, you're gonna get a lot of bad assets and that's exactly what happened. There's a lot of companies right now in the markets that shouldn't be public, but they are because of what was going on in the markets. So again, this is that, you know, this is kind of that whole dot-com era redo that we saw back in 1999. A lot of the stuff we saw back then, saw it, saw it last year. Now you're paying the price for it. Uh, we'll come back from the break, pick up Michael Liebel. Let's talk more about the markets. And uh, next week, we got the Fed, we got GDP today, lots of stuff going on. We'll get into that right after the break, right here on The Real Investment Show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. How do the richest people of the world invest and protect their families? Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff's next virtual Lunch and Learn on the truth about life insurance will show you how to insure your income, minimize your taxes, and protect your real estate. Thursday, May 12th at noon. The most important insurance policy you'll ever own is the one you'll have when you die. Register now for the truth about life insurance Lunch and Learn at realinvestmentadvice.com the truth about life insurance with ratliff and rosso realinvestmentadvice.com the real investment show Welcome back to the show this morning. Uh, Michael Leibowitz joining me as well. So again, lots of stuff going on today. This morning, we've got GDP coming out. Look, you know, we're probably going to see a miss on GDP. GDP is expected to come in about 1.1%, according to the estimates. Atlanta Fed has it pegged at about 0.4% uh, growth for the first quarter. That's probably closer to what we're going to see, particularly given the amount of the trade deficit that we've got going on. Imports um, have been surging. Exports have been declining rapidly. Um, that is is a negative drag. Uh, what we look at in terms of part of GDP calculation is net exports. And so that net that net negative net exports is going to drag on GDP. Um, so we're going to take a look at that. We've got a lot more earnings out today. Yesterday, we had, like I said, we had Facebook come out after the bell. They issued a weak guidance, uh, had a revenue miss. Guidance was weak. The only reason the stock's up you know, 16% this morning is because they had more daily average users. Again, how many of those were actual people is a different story. But uh, today after the bell, we've got Apple and Amazon. So those two companies in particular 
or going again we we go back to talking about the makeup of the markets and what you know drives the markets right now is that 33% of the S&P index is contained in the top 10 stocks Apple, Microsoft, Google, so forth and so on. So, you know, Google uh, reported uh, yesterday uh, or sorry, day before yet uh, day before yesterday in the evening yesterday stock down about 2% or so and that was dragging the markets as well. Anyway, joining me this morning, uh, Michael Leibowitz. We've got a lot of stuff to get through uh, as well. Good morning. How are you? Oh, great. Good. Rough morning, but I'm here now. And uh, <laughs> Why well, was it a rough morning? You just got up. <laughs> so, we, uh, go ahead. Lance, you and I always have this kind of, not a running joke, but we do the same thing. We set our alarms. Yep. And we never use them. We wake up before the alarms go off. Yep. And I do the same thing this morning. My alarm was set to go off at 5.50-ish or whatever it is. And I wake up at 6 o'clock. Yep. And I look over, and the alarm's set. I'm like, what's going on? Did someone turn a volume off on the – I have an old-school alarm. Right. And I look at it, and my whole clock was set for p.m., not a.m. <laughs> so for the last two or three months since the last time my alarm woke me up, right? it was never going to wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that that's uh, that's happened more often than once. And then you wake up and you realize you're running late. And I can't imagine actually being able to sleep until five fifty. That must be a nice thing. Remember, I'm an hour ahead of you. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> so yeah, lucky for you. Um, anyway, so a couple of things out this morning. Uh, again, you know, we've got Facebook uh, kind of pushing the markets this morning. Pre-market this morning, we've also got earnings coming in from. Comcast this morning, they came in a little bit better than expectations. Uh, we've also got Northrop Grumman, Domino's Pizza, uh, Keurig, Dr. Pepper. So there's a few more. Eli Lilly um, as well, trading well and after hours. So some of these earnings are still coming in pretty good. But I thought it was interesting that, you know, the guidance has not been great. And, you know, Facebook is a good example of that. You know, despite the fact that stock's trading up, as I said, on on their daily average user, the, the, the forward guidance um, from a lot of these companies has not been outstanding, which, you know, with estimates still very high, we're starting to see those estimates come down. But, you know, I think we're going to start seeing a whole lot more negative earnings revisions from the uh, the analysts here as we go forward. What do you think? Yeah, and I think the best way to explain this is earlier you said GDP is expected to come out about 1%, 1.1%, and the Atlanta Fed estimates it's going to be 0.4%. So from a very macro view, let's let's kind of unpack that Atlanta Fed GDP number. Mm-hmm. They're they're saying that th- the first quarter, January, February, March will come in at 0.4%. When the number first came out in January, they were expecting close to 4% growth. February, they were expecting 2% growth. Now the Atlanta Fed doesn't predict. They just use data as it comes out. So if we kind of consider that January and February we're running about 2% on average, 3%, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that their estimate now for the whole quarter, knowing that two thirds of it came in at two to 3% is 0.4. That tells you there's a, you know, a chance that growth slowed significantly. And there's a chance that March was actually negative growth. Right. So, so we're seeing the same thing from companies. They may have had a really good January and okay, February and a poor March. So when they release their earnings, they may be a little better. They may be worse than expected based on how analysts change their expectations. Mm -hmm. But they're looking at the I think when the executives talk, they're looking at the trend and the trend has clearly been much slower. 
right? If you, you, you think about everything that's happened since January 1st, Russia invaded Ukraine. Right. right. There was an inkling that was going to go on, but that we, I don't think anyone really thought they would really do it and that it would still be going on and the effect that that's had on both inflation and the economy mm-hmm. and on individual companies that are or aren't involved in Russia. Like, for instance, Apple, two to three percent of their sales come from Russia, Ukraine. They completely stopped selling to Russia. That will have some effect on Apple's earnings today. So. I think what these what these executives are doing is projecting and they see a Fed that's going to be very aggressive. They see inflation that so far has yet to turn around and they are being very conservative, as they probably should, seeing what they've seen over the last few months and probably what they've seen in April already. Right. They've had a full month of April. So they kind of know where things are going as well, even though it's only a third of the quarter of the second quarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and we need to go back and, and and two today when we report GDP, it's important to understand also how GDP gets reported as well. Uh, the first, uh, so when the Bureau of Economic Analysis uh, analysis reports GDP, and again, like Mike said, the Atlanta Fed reports on real time data. All they're doing is is they're they're using what data has come in and they're adjusting their GDP calculation based on real time data. The GDP report, the first report that comes out, which will be the, the one today. So today's report is the first of three reports on GDP for the first quarter. The first estimate is basically just aligned with a blue chip analyst estimate. So they just kind of take a sampling of all the economists and say, what do you think GDP is? And they all say 1%. And that's basically what what's reported by the Bureau of Economic Analysis for the first estimate. Now, the second and third estimates we then revise that first estimate based on the real-time data so or, or 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 the collected data so now as in the second and and so this is april reporting for january february march and may they'll have more of the data from the first quarter in the books and so they'll then revise the gdp estimate so what will happen is, is over the next three months, today's report may come in at 1% economic growth. Everybody goes, oh, whew, man, economic growth was a lot better than Atlanta Fed said. But by we by the time we get to, to uh, June and get to the third estimate, we're very likely going to be very close to whatever the Atlanta Fed estimated for the first quarter. So, again, that's just the way it usually works because this first estimate is just an estimate of estimates. <laughs> so, you know, and there's, there's, another, yeah. right, there's another really tricky part as well to it. What they do is they take the economic activity and then they reduce it by inflation. Right. So there's a nominal rate and a real rate. And it's the real rate we all focus on. That's how that's the real rate. Uh, you can't. Inflation is what it is. Mm-hmm. So what what's their their estimate for inflation can vary significantly. It varies from CPI. And yeah, that, that, you that's know, trying a, that, to predict that is equally hard. Right. No, that's a very big point, because the inflation rate that they use to adjust nominal GDP growth is not the same as CPI. So you can't look at CPI and go, oh, CPI was 8% in the first quarter. So if we take 4% growth and subtract 8% inflation, we have a negative 4% growth rate. That's not what they use. They use what's called an inflation adjustment or an inflator um, in the GDP calculation, which is their estimate of inflation, which, again, like you said, Mike, can, can vary widely from what we report in CPI. Right. And it doesn't 
it doesn't it's correlated with cpi but it can be off by one one and a half percent i think right now it's off by two percent or so right how it comes in today we don't know and and look if it surprises catches up to cpi we could have a pretty bad number today and mm-hmm. vice versa if PCE is a little weak, we got the opposite. It could be a better real GDP number. But that's the other important thing, Lance, is that today's number, typically we just focus on GDP and we focus on on what goes into GDP and and what are they telling us about that data. Mm -hmm. I think equally important today and probably for the first time in a long time will be the price component of it. What are the what are they seeing? Uh, you know, I think the market is waiting for prices to stop rising, mm-hmm. not necessarily start falling, but just for the trend, for the momentum to turn around. And I think that could have a big effect on the market uh, and not just the stock market, the bond market, all you know, markets worldwide, currency markets. If PCE, the 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 uh personal consumption expenditures price index Mm -hmm. is actually on the lower side of expectations or doesn't increase that much. The market may like a number that's that a GDP number that's not very good. So so that's in this number, that's one thing we're going to pay close attention Mm -hmm. to is the price component of it. Right. Well, and again, and, and uh, you know, how they calculate the PCE, it's kind of the same argument that we get with CPI, which is it doesn't really measure what people deal with. Again, th- this is a government right. measure of inflation, and there's lots of, there's been a lot of manipulation to these measures over the course of the year to lower the rate of inflation so that we don't have to pay out as much in Social Security benefits, et cetera. So, you know, there's there's still that going to be that other claim that despite whatever this comes in, it's not reflecting what's really going on with the average consumer. But, you know, that's just been, you know, this has been the, the ongoing argument and, and the numbers we have to deal with and the numbers the market cares about is what the government reports. It's not what we think uh, about real inflation. But there is a good important, uh, there is an important lesson about this because Amazon also reports this afternoon we sold our Amazon stake earlier this year on concerns about their earnings and something happened in March that may really negatively impact Amazon's earnings today. We'll talk about that when we come back from the break with Michael Leibowitz. Don't go away. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. How do the richest people of the world invest and protect their families? Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff's next virtual lunch and learn on the truth about life insurance will show you how to insure your income, minimize your taxes, and protect your real estate. Thursday, May 12th at noon. The most important insurance policy you'll ever own is the one you'll have when you die. Register now for the the Truth About Life Insurance Lunch and Learn at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Truth About Life Insurance with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Hey, 
And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Rose Lance Roberts. Uh, Michael Leibowitz joining me as well. Um, just for the break, talk about the fact that Amazon is going to report earnings after the bell today. And we had sold our stake in Amazon a little bit earlier this year on concerns about, you know, rising inflationary pressures, rising prices, uh, you know, less liquidity for households as uh, all the money that the direct checks to households have been now used. And there's really seems to be no more, you know, cash to, you know, checks to households coming anytime soon. Uh, consumers have been turning to credit card debt to really kind of fill the gaps um, in terms of their spending and just sustaining their their living standard. And there's an interesting chart out this morning talking about spending in March. And what you'll notice is, is that gas, car insurance, personal care products, restaurants and housing top the list on things that actually increased in terms of volume. I'm um, sorry, in, in terms of prices that people were paying. But again, the important thing there is that housing, as an example, is that's part of inflation. We had surging home prices because of where interest rates were. Um, you know, restaurants, people going back out to eat, the price of eating out has gone up dramatically because of inflation. So in other words, people are buying more. Not In other words, people aren't buying more stuff. They're spending more for the same amount of stuff. And this particularly goes when it comes to gasoline, right? You don't buy more gas. Right, you buy the same amount of gas every time. You just pay more for it, and so it's it's interesting to see this because now we're talking about discretionary spending. If you take a look at all the other items that people deal with, personal care services, health insurance, all this, there was a big drop in a lot of this discretionary spending over the course of the last month in March. And and again, this is one of the concerns that we are we're going to see potentially. We'll see how Amazon handles this, but you know. They're they're a major retailer at this point, and they are very susceptible to changes in spending patterns and consumption by consumers. And and with you know prices rising and the cost of living going up, but wages not keeping up with the cost of living, it'll be interesting to see their report this afternoon. And again, you know we we like Amazon as a company, and 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 at some point we'll probably buy it back. But, you know, we just wanted to avoid that risk that there is a, a bigger disappointment in terms of retail spending and outlook because of this kind of, you know, collision of high prices and less income. And so that's one of the things we'll be talking about today. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I, there's another story today, too, and that's Apple. We reduced a little bit of Apple about a few days ago for similar reasons. Re Apple is much more retail oriented than, say, Microsoft. Microsoft, for the most part, sells to corporations. They sell their office products, their web services, and they are not as susceptible to inflation. They're not producing much, if anything, not like Apple, which is physically producing computers and phones and other products. So one thing that concerns us a little bit about Apple, two things actually, one is just it's the largest component of the S&P 500 at almost 7%. So as goes Apple, as goes the market to some degree. The problem we have with it is that earnings expectations haven't changed over the last three months, despite things that we know. We know Russia invaded Ukraine. We know Russians cannot get their hands on iPhones anymore. And Ukrainians probably have really a lot of trouble getting their hands on them. We know that China is roughly 20% of Apple's revenues and their economy is both slowing pretty quickly, but half the country's in a lockdown, even if they want 
Apple phones. I'm not sure they can get them right now. The U.S. is slowing. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the U.S. is slowing. And we know that retail is having to make some tough decisions now. You spend an extra 20 bucks on gas. That's an extra 20 bucks that you can't spend on something else. And an iPhone, look, it's great having a new iPhone. The battery lasts, but you can always go another month, another three months with your old iPhone. They still work really well. It's really the battery mm-hmm. that becomes the biggest problem, and you can always charge it. So so you, you start putting this together, and actually Apple just yesterday or two days ago said that they're laying off some of their genius, uh, I forgot what they call them, their genius staff, their tech help, and they actually rescinded some offers. So there's a lot going on with Apple and it's not necessarily all good. And and what we would have hoped to have seen is analysts reduce the estimates a little bit. So when a company like Apple reports earnings, here's what everyone's going to look at. How did they do? How did their revenue do? How did their earnings do against the analyst estimates? Did they beat it? Did they fall short? That's, that's number one. And then number two are those forward looking statements. So we think that there's a risk to Apple that they fail on at least that first part, that earnings and revenue come in a little weaker than expected. We could be wrong. We could be wrong, certainly. But there's so much risk with Apple and the analysts have not brought down their earnings estimates. Mm -hmm. Easy for me to say. (laughs) Brought down their earnings estimates. So it's a risk. And we will buy Apple again. We like Apple. It's been a it's been in our portfolio for years, but we do go up and down on it. That's portfolio management. It's managing those risks. And Apple seems like a not a huge risk, but a little bit of an outsized risk here going into the earnings after the close today. Yeah, and if they report great earnings and the stocks up tomorrow, we'll add back to our position. Um, you know, that's you know, again to the point that's just you know, we're just taking off some risk in the portfolio just in case, you know, there is an unexpectedly bad report. It just reduces the drag in the overall portfolio. Again, like I said, with Amazon, you know, we sold our Amazon stake because of concerns about, you know, retail discretionary risk. But again, if they report great earnings, they have a good outlook, then we can add the stock back. You know, it's not, you know, you don't have to try to capture every little movement, you know, in, in the markets. You know, we, we've been talking about Facebook here on the show as a good example saying look you know there's a there's a kind of a value story starting to mature in facebook even though i hate the company and i hate what they stand for in a lot of cases you know we have to set personal feelings aside and look at the valuation of the company how much revenue do they generate you know what what properties do they have and there's a value story to be made there but we don't have to try to catch the exact bottom we can see this this rally today does it stick? Um, the stock will probably sell back down as, as people that have gotten trapped in the stock that are down 30, 40, 50 percent in their position. They're going to use this rally and go, oh, finally, I'm getting an opportunity to get out. So, you know, today's rally will probably be met with a lot of sellers. We'll see that price come back down. Where does it bottom? Does it set a higher bottom? And if it does, then we can find an entry point that makes a lot more sense technically to add that position to the portfolio, we don't have to worry about trying to catch. And this is one of the, the mistakes that investors make is, you know, they feel like they've got to catch the exact bottom or they got to, to sell at the exact top. And if they don't, then, you know, the, the the world's over and I can't I can't make any more decisions now. You know, that's just not the way portfolio management works. It's not trying to get exact tops or exact bottoms. You just want to be near, you know, sell near the top somewhere. You might be early, you might be a little bit late. That's okay. 
buy somewhere near the bottom when the technicals tell you that there's a, a reasonable buying opportunity. You might be early, you might be late. That's okay. You don't have to be exact, and that's that's the beautiful thing about investing. You just got to get the overall direction of the trade right. And and it's there's two components to it. It's risk and return, and everyone focuses on the return. If Apple reports good, earn, good earnings, how much will the stock go up? If I buy XYZ stock today, how much can it go up? I hear Jim Cramer saying XYZ is a $100 stock. It's currently 70 I should buy it. And I'm, you know, in that case, I'm focused on that $30 return. But what so few people tend to talk about is the risk. And we're constantly judging that risk return ratio. If you look at Facebook, Facebook has gotten hammered. So Facebook didn't need to have great earnings. Facebook just had to not have gone bankrupt. It's almost like as long as their earnings were okay, as long as they had some bit of good news, the stock was probably going to have a decent day following earnings. Whether it sticks or not, we don't know. But but if you had a, you know, if if we had to make a bet on which stock would do better after earnings, Facebook or Apple, I'd put a lot of money on Facebook, purely because the stock is so beaten up that the expectations were so low that it wasn't going to take much. Apple, the stock is down, right? It's down, what, 13% for the year, mm -hmm. something yeah. like that? I don't have it exactly. But it's not beating up like Facebook is or like many of these other stocks are. So the risk to us on Apple is greater than Facebook. So it, it's looking at your portfolio of stocks, managing the risk, managing your expectations, and judging those expectations versus the risks. And there are times where, you know, you almost feel like you're playing roulette. And and whether it's going to be a yes or no, there are times to just reduce risk, see what the answer is, see how the market reacts. And then you can always buy it back. Sometimes you buy it back cheaper, maybe buy it back more expensive. But it, but there's a, a risk that we're willing to, we didn't sell all of our Apple, but right. we're willing to kind of sit on our hands a little bit here and see what happens. Right, exactly. And, you know, this, and this is kind of, a, you know, again, we kind of go back to just, you know, portfolio management one-on-one. It's not complicated. It's just a process of, you know, measuring risk and what returns are going to be. And again, you know, the, what you're trying to mitigate is the risk of being wrong. Because, the, you know, when we talk about risk, you know, it's we always try to equate risk with reward. The more risk I take, the more reward I get. Yes, you know, if, if you take a lot of risk and you're right, you know, if you, if you go to the horse race and you bet on 100 to 1 odds and you win, you're going to make a lot of money odds are you're going to lose and you're going to lose your money and that's that's the whole function of risk and so when we measure and talk about risk it's about mitigating the risk of loss not trying to maximize the rate of reward because trying to do that requires us to take on an excessive amount of risk that again if we're wrong can lead to an excessive amount of loss and it's amazing at the end of the day people really do care about losses more than reward <laughs> be right back Absolutely. after the break don't go away
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. How do the richest people of the world invest and protect their families? Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff's next virtual lunch and learn on the truth about life insurance. We'll show you how to ensure your income, minimize your taxes, and protect your real estate. Thursday, May 12th at noon. The most important insurance policy you'll ever own is the one you'll have when you die. Register now for the truth about life insurance lunch and learn at realinvestmentadvice.com. The truth about life insurance with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. Uh, get ready to wrap things up. Good news out this morning. Dr. Anthony Fauci says the pandemic of COVID is now over. So can we please go back to living our normal lives? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Whatever normal was. <laughs> I know you can't even remember what normal was. You know, no. when you just got up and went outside and, yeah. you know, went and hung out with friends and everybody wasn't like freaking out. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, he certainly says, he says, we are certainly right now in this country out of the pandemic phase. This was, uh, again, a quote from uh, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci yesterday, White House chief medical advisor on an interview with PBS NewsHour. It says, namely, we don't have 900,000 new infections a day, tens and tens and tens of thousands. Yes, he actually said that of hospitalizations and thousands of deaths. We are now at a low level. So if you're saying we are out of the pandemic phase in this country, we are. So there you go. Mission accomplished. Um, just in time. And amazingly, just in time for the midterms. Of course. Amazing. Just, you know, Russian invasion gets rid of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Who would have thunk it? See, we, we need to be thanking Vladimir Putin for his invasion of Ukraine yeah. because it solved the pandemic. And, and, we, can now, and we can now get yeah. America back to work and get the economy growing again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. Exactly. A new survey released this week has concluded that nearly 75% of young adults across the country agree that the United States has a mental health crisis. The results released by The Hill this week were compiled by the Institute for Politics at Harvard Kennedy School, and the survey found that 6% of people who responded to the survey disagreed with the idea that the U.S. is undergoing a mental health crisis. Survey queried 2,000 U.S. adults between the ages of 18 and 29. 52% of young adults who who responded reported experiencing feelings of depression and hopelessness, while 25% of respondents admitted to thinking about self-harm. So, you know, this is, you know, again, not surprising. You know, 18 to 29-year-olds, they've been locked up in their house for two years. They can't really do anything. Um, You know, the ability to generate an income has gotten more difficult, not not better. And, you know, again, they, you know, you take a look at how much time do 18 to 29-year-olds spend on social media. In the U.S., it's about two hours and 14 minutes a day. And the only countries that spend more time on social media than the U.S. is India, Philippines, and Nigeria. So the problem is, is that, you know, most of these young individuals, they are on social media all day looking at how great everybody else's life is, and their socks. So not surprising that, you know, they're 
feeling depressed and lonely, right? And and again, you're on social media all day instead of being out in the world, you know, having relationships with real people. But, you know, the problem with a, real, a relationship with a real person is you can't say the stuff to their face that you can say on social media. So that's that's the other problem. I'm not sure people know how to be friends anymore. <laughs> so, what was the time spent? What was the highest? Um, the highest was Nigeria, four hours ah, and seven minutes. All those but princes. They have nothing, yeah, but they have nothing else to do in Nigeria. I mean, you know. It's Nigerian so, princes. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're making money on social mm. media. So. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this isn't really surprising. We, we already know about the net effects of this. And of course, when you spend all your day staring at a phone, you know, it's not surprising that, that people are feeling a bit depressed. But again, got to get people out back into the world and doing stuff and working, getting people back in the office. Socialization is good. And guess what else is good? Vitamin D. Get outside the house. <laughs> Get some Natural sunshine. vitamin D. Exactly. The free that, vitamin D. The free vitamin D will make you feel much better. Anyway, a uh, couple of stories for you this morning. Uh, getting ready to wrap up the show today. Um, you know, so a couple other things. Uh, Twitter, of course, is uh, interesting. There. Now, the, Twitter's going to report earnings. Actually, just reported earnings this morning. Uh, stock is up a little bit on the earnings announcement. Of course, the big issue there, of course, is watching the um, the media actually go into full-blown meltdown over the acquisition of Twitter by Elon Musk. And that, that's it's, it's almost hysterical to, to watch, particularly the blue check marks, right? That, and this is and, and again, all Elon Musk has said is like, I just want to make it a platform for free speech. That's it. And he's, he's, already, he's already said, look, whatever the rules are for free speech, I'll comply with them. And he said, but, you know, I'm not going to go above and beyond that. So, again, you can't yell fire in a theater. You can't, you know, sexually harass people online, you know, that type of thing. Those are those are the rules. Right. And he just said all he said was, is I'm going to comply with the rules. And you would have thought that a lot of these blue check marks, he had just, you know, said he's going to bring back, you know, <laughs> Lance, <laughs> just, I, I just, think the media is scared to death. Because schmoes like me and you can get blue check marks now. Yeah, exactly. And we're not affiliated with any media house. We have our own opinions that don't really comply with the true party lines. And I think that's where yeah. the media is getting upset because we could get blue check marks. And that's a scary world. But it is scary. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because you know this is all about the you know the dissemination of information right just you know and, and people should be smart enough to figure out what's real data and what's not real data and and what the you know the the you know the blue check marks are so afraid of is that the information might get out that's actually not the information they want to get out information that may go contrary to what their views are that's what they're concerned about is actually having a real debate on you know around facts and this this puts a lot of things at jeopardy right this puts you know potentially the whole climate change narrative at jeopardy it puts you know a lot of the political ideologies at jeopardy because again now all of a sudden you're going to have to contend with potentially a group of people presenting facts and information that go contrary to what your narrative that you want it to be and, and again when you're trying to change the you know, the the ideologies of an entire generation to think a different way. And again, you know, this promotion of modern monetary theory and socialism and other things that are being promoted 
by you know groups of people to suggest that this is a better way to run the country, you've got to change a lot of hearts and minds to to kind of kill capitalism in it and it's in its stead. And that's you know this has been kind of an attempt over the last couple of years in particular. And I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to the fact that well maybe that's not really what I want because the end result of it has been I can't afford my cost of living anymore. It's great to give me free money, but it's not free when I have to pay it back in terms of inflation. Musk, right. Musk, at the end of the day, I think what Musk is saying is that all views will be allowed to be on Twitter and will be equally uh, put out there yeah. as opposed to some views. And if that's threatening, we got a much bigger problem in this country that's called free speech. And you have free speech. You have newspapers, you have TV stations, radio stations mm -hmm. that that espouse all kind of views from the very far left to the very far right. Twitter is just another another uh, means of of disseminating views. You may like them, you may not like them, but you, as these social media companies can't decide which ones they like and which ones they well, don't like. That's exactly my point. My I, point, I guess I can. But. Yeah. Well, no, they can, but that's the whole point is is that the individual that's consuming the information is responsible for the you know for for doing the homework, right? You know, you say just an example, you say that Apple is uh, a terrible company and you need to sell it all today. And I say, hey, Apple's a great company. You need to buy it today. Those are just two opinions. It doesn't mean that, you know, your view is wrong or, or or shouldn't be allowed out there. Now, the end result of your view and whatever happens with the company is going to determine whether you are right or wrong. And that's what the individual the individual's responsibility is to do the homework to determine or at least to think about, well, I don't really agree for Mike with Mike on for these reasons on the view of Apple, or I do agree with him on, you know, his views of Apple. And then ultimately when Apple goes up or down, that view will be proven right or wrong. That's up to the individual. And I think that's the important part about free speech is, is that, you know, the view should be allowed and it's our job to interpret and then to go then to go do the homework to determine whether or not that view is valid or not. And, and that's really what this comes down to. And I guess people have just really gotten so lazy that we just want to, you know, we kind of all get in these little silos of things that we agree with. And this is what, you know, we talk about a lot on the show is about confirmation bias. We get in these little silos of, of people that we all agree with. So we all just kind of share the same information with each other. But we don't take in opposing views and then analyze those opposing views to determine whether or not our view is right or wrong. And that's, you know, that's our job as investment managers is to, you know, we have a view on certain things, but we're constantly challenging that view by looking at other research and trying to figure out whether our view is right or wrong. And that's, you know, that's the important thing that we need to be doing with all information is you know, taking in all different opinions, understanding them and and evaluating them for their credibility, you know, do some research. And if they're valid, change your view. If not, then you can dismiss it and move on. That's, you know, that's just, but that's our job. And, and I think we've kind of lost that view with social media. Social media has decided to say that's our job to determine it, what is right or wrong. And it's incredibly helpful to challenge your views. I mean, there are so many times, because Twitter finance is really unregulated. They don't stop people from posting it's the political stuff that tends to be much more regulated right, yeah so twitter finance you get the 10 guys that love apple 10 that hate apple but but it exposes you to different points of view and in doing that 
it either raises your conviction of Apple or it introduces new facts that may change your opinion. And that's what's helpful. That's yeah. what really helps us as portfolio managers. That's right. All right. Uh, wraps up the show for the day, of course. Uh, be sure and get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Send us your questions, comments, emails, and you know we'll uh, go from there. Tomorrow, of course, is Financial Fitness Friday with Richard and Danny. Stick around. Three minutes on markets and money is coming up as the markets are getting ready to open. Dow up about 263 this morning. NASDAQ up 250 at the open. So it'll be a nice big bounce for uh, the beaten down NASDAQ. All right. We'll see you all tomorrow. Have a great day. Be sure and check out SimpleVisor, SimpleVisor.com. It's our digital platform as well with all of our research. It's on there as well, SimpleVisor.com. See you back here tomorrow. It's a rich man's world.